the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Season Watch with Wendy Scott, where we observe the things coming on the earth through biblical binoculars, because the Bible is both timely and timeless. With her master's degree in rhetoric and writing skills, Wendy is a part-time college professor, but a full-time truth professor. She believes the Word of God is His perfect revelation, including a young earth six-day creation, as well as the global flood inundation, and that Israel is God's chosen nation. Faith alone in Jesus is salvation. The true church rapture comes pre-tribulation, followed by Christ's millennium domination and his eternal kingdom with earth's regeneration jesus is coming without hesitation and now here's wendy with today's topic hello friends thank you for joining me again with season watch and let's just uh go ahead and start with prayer of course so jesus we just thank you for the end of this year and how you've brought us through so many things and help us to look back on the ways that you've um just brought us through and blessed us, kept your promises, answered our prayers, Lord, and then help us to go into the new year with complete hope and confidence in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, happy New Year's Eve. What an amazing time to prepare for the year and the season ahead. I want to give a last reminder to pick up my book, The Loss, A Story of Christmas. Uh, You can read it yourself or give it to somebody. And this inspirational story actually continues into the new year. It kind of starts at Christmas. So there's still time. It's a perfect time to read it and um, just to be encouraged to live every day for the Lord. Remember, you can get that on Amazon and you can still get it at Sea Christ Christian Bookstore in Lemon Grove. And please, when you go in there, just go in and discover all the books and gifts and study aids they have. I just love walking around in there. And so um, please support that that bookstore. And uh, I hope that you had a wonderful Christmas and not only enjoyed your friends and family and all the majesty of this time of year as we've been talking about but also that you found yourself even closer to Jesus. We're called not only to honor him outwardly with our traditions and our words, but inwardly with our hearts. And most of all, Jesus said in John seventeen three, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And so we must know him, especially as we see the day approaching. So make sure you know both the Father and the Son through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. How do we know him? We must know his word. Because, you know, Jesus is the word made flesh, the actual image of the glorious God in a person. Because as prophecy from Moses describes in Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 19, the Lord your God will raise up to you a prophet like me from the midst of your brethren. Him shall you hear according to all you desired in the Lord of the Lord in God, your God in Horeb, in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see the great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said that what they've spoken is good. I will raise up to him a prophet for you from among the brethren. I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, 
I'll require it of him. This is the great promise of that prophet, which is the Messiah. And the prophecy explains that Israel could not bear to be spoken to directly by God. They asked Moses to receive the word from God and that he could tell them to Israel because it was too terrifying when they heard it directly from the Lord on Mount Sinai. And we see this in Exodus twenty eighteen. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings and the lightnings and the flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, speak, you speak with us, and we'll hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. So God promised that the Messiah would come and would be a perfect representation of God, both in word and deed, in a human, where we could accept it and receive it and observe it. We couldn't take it directly from God. And so now we're promised that there is no other requirement for going to heaven but to receive Jesus' payment for our sins to put faith in who he is as the Savior sent from the Lord God, the very God himself of the whole earth, and that we should know him. This is a requirement, right? Luke warns in, uh, Jesus warns in Luke 13 that he would return for the church when we least expect it. And we've been talking about that in Season Watch. So verse 24, it says, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house, that's Jesus, has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you. Friends, be sure that you know Jesus, not just know about Jesus. Everybody knows about Jesus in the Western world. Be sure that you put your trust in Jesus, not just believe that he existed. That's not how you go into heaven. Satan believes in Jesus, and he's condemned, right? So please put your trust in him. Know him. And as Romans ten seventeen explains, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the words of God. And Paul admonished Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, that from the childhood you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, for righteousness. And that man of God may be complete uh, and thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's why we need to know the word. And Jesus warned in Luke 21, 28 through 36. Now, when these things begin to happen, we've talked about these. Lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. When they were, uh, assuredly, I say to you, when these things begin to happen, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say, this generation will not pass away until all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words by no means will pass away. And he says, watch therefore and take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with the cares of life. And that day comes unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on the whole world, all those who dwell on the face of the earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So you see the requirements. We must know Jesus. And to know Jesus, we must know the very Word of God, which he claims he is. So I urge you this new year, dedicate yourselves again to the Lord. Uh, resolve that you will read his word consistently in order to recognize the context and connection of ideas throughout the whole Bible and the significance of these details. 
Ask the Lord to help you to do these things and understand his word. He promises he will show you, gives you wisdom through his Holy Spirit. And be ready for the appointments and assignments he has ahead of you in this coming year. Trust me, the Lord is coming soon. That's what we've been talking about. Okay, so to continue our theme to know Jesus in this December, we're going to take a quick look, and I'm afraid it's entirely too quick, at a subject that certainly needs a great deal of time. And in fact, you can find I have an extended exploration of this topic on my Rumble channel, which is Wendy's Words for Him. This topic is especially developed with Jewish people in mind. So I urge you to consider any Jewish person you know who says they believe in God and send them links to either this podcast when it comes out on Tuesdays or to my Rumble channel version, which is already published. It has all these verses on slides as well. So that's a good source. And uh, I'm going to try to upload them on my website, uh, mywordsforhim.com. So friends, here we go. Fasten your truth belts as we take a fast look today at seven Old Testament prophecies that prove Jesus, Yeshua, was and is the long-awaited Messiah of Israel. And I expect to return to these themes several times over the course of season watch. I'm certainly not going to fit it all in here. Um, But we want to learn how to speak specifically to the Jewish people in our lives or Jewish people we encounter. We must remember that Israel is God's chosen people, a family of people he created from one faithful man. Abraham. And the promises God made to Abraham were multifold. One was to bless the whole earth through his family. We understand that to be not only the revelation of God that was revealed, his plan, his promises, but also that the Messiah would come through his line to save the whole world. And most people, both Jewish and Gentile, do not realize that both the Old Testament and the New Testament were written almost entirely by faithful Jewish believers in God. And then those who witnessed and lived with Yeshua and Jesus, the promises of the Messiah, all were Jewish to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. And so although only two books in the, Old, in the New Testament were written by Gentiles, the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, Jewish people have been forbidden to read or even consider the claims of these accounts and the evidence that Yeshua is their prophesied Messiah. So uh, Jesus was Jewish, friends, most Jewish people, the most Jewish of Jewish people, because he claimed in Matthew 5, 17, 18, I uh, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy them, but to fulfill them. This is Jesus, Yeshua speaking. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Both Jews and Gentiles error in this lack of fundamental facts. For the Jews, Jesus is their Messiah. We're just grafted into your promises and blessings as Gentiles. And so you don't, you miss that he really is your Messiah. The Gentiles, we're misled or we misunderstand when we believe that Gentiles are in some way are Jews. We're not Jews. We do not replace the Jewish people for the promises made specifically to Israel. That is a satanic lie. And so, friends, I urge you, let's consider these things and dive in and begin to look at these seven Old Testament prophecies that prove Jesus, Yeshua, was Israel's promised Messiah. And you remember last uh, two weeks ago, I actually covered some of these. So um, send those links to your, pro- uh, your friends also. That was uh, the one, Who is Jesus? And it identifies how he fulfilled um, the prophecies 
of the identity of the Messiah and why he came as a substitutionary sacrifice according to the law. So please send those links out because I'm going to have to gloss over some of those today. And uh, we just want to know that all these prophecies are vital for knowing and helping followers identify him and understand the God's promises of who the Messiah is. All right. And since uh, most Jewish people do not generally accept the verses of the New Testament, we're going to focus on the Old Testament um, specific prophecies so that uh, we know that they can have confidence in that. This, these are their prophecies, and we're going to look at specific facts of history that are not in dispute. All right, so here we go. The first prophecy is, number one, a lawgiver will not depart from Judah until Shiloh comes. This is very familiar. Genesis forty nine ten through 11. Um, the scepter shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people, right? So this prophecy was given uh, by actually Jacob to his family before departing, and it was a prophecy God gave him that the leader, the head of Israel, will be uh, from the tribe of Judah. So the interesting thing now, why is this such a vital prophecy to prove Jesus is the Messiah? Well, first of all, we have to remember that um, the Jews went into dispersion for over for 2,000 years after the death of Jesus. Uh, in 70 AD was the dispersion. You can't really track who the descendants of Judah are now. Very few people have tried to maintain any sense of genealogy about Judah and the Judaic line. And these would be highly skeptical, uh, anything that that people try to track. The Holocaust itself destroyed so many Jewish records. And it says that the rod of the lawgiver or the ruler will not depart from Judah until Shiloh or the peace giver comes, which is one of the names of the Messiah. And certainly since the dispersion, there's not been a ruler from Judah leading the people, not that anybody knows about or can record. Um, And now that they're back in the land, it's not really possible to track who's the leader from Judah leading. So the prophecy must be a clear sign of who the Messiah is. And all that way of determining it was destroyed in 70 AD. That's why Yeshua came before the temple was destroyed and all the records were maintained. And he was known to be a son of Judah. So it's really not possible to effectively fulfill this prophecy where it's a sign to people now. It has to be a sign where people can know it's true. And that can't be known now. We'll have to accept someone's word for it. The other, uh, the next prophecy, number two, is the Messiah must be born in Bethlehem. So in Micah 5.2, you see, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you're little among thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from old and from everlasting. There's a clue right there, everlasting. So here you go. This prophecy that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem, it's a requirement of the Messiah. It's no longer feasible. You know, I've been to Israel. Bethlehem is in Arab hands. They are the administrators of the city. Few Jews even go there, let alone are born there. It's no longer a city of David. So this prophecy is unlikely to happen now, and it's a requirement for the Messiah. 
Moreover, we know that the Messiah would come out of the area of Galilee. So we see in Isaiah 9, 1 through 2, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. So dwelt in the shadow of death. Well, since Israel's become uh, back in the land, it's not the shadow of death. They they own all of the Galilee. Tourists love to go there. So this is not an accurate description. At Jesus's time, before the fall of the temple, it was an accurate description. It was in Gentile hands. It was very dark. It always passed through. It had a lot of war. And so it's not an effective prophecy for somebody who wants to claim now that they've come out of this land of darkness in the Gentiles. Um, that's not accurate. So there's another one. All right. So the third prophecy, is that the Messiah will come to Jerusalem on a donkey, all right? And this is a couple of times. So Genesis 49, 11, this is a very powerful, again, that prophecy given by Jacob uh, before he departs. It says, binding, this is about uh, the, the son of Judah, binding his donkey to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of, of grapes. So that's a prophecy about the Messiah. And not only is he going to ride a donkey, but he's actually going to ride, ride the colt of a donkey, which is what you read in the description of Jesus coming into the city in Jerusalem. Zechariah 9.9 gives the same description. Rejoice, O greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And then uh, we see in verse 11, as for you also because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. So this is not only a prophecy about the Messiah as a human king coming in, but that he's going to provide the blood of the covenant. And the covenant given to Israel was only by blood is the remission of sins. And we see this foreshadowing of the idea that the Messiah is not just a man, but he's eternal, and that he would be providing the blood of a covenant to take away sins so that others are freed from the bottomless pit. So let's consider how likely it is a Messiah would enter the city of Jerusalem on a donkey at this time. I've been to Jerusalem, and I'll tell you, it's a very busy city with a lot of traffic. Nobody rides a donkey around there. However, somebody certainly could ride a donkey into Jerusalem. People do it all the time when they're reenacting the entrance of Jesus into the city. So they do it all the time as a reenactment. And uh, if a Messiah, if someone wanted to claim to be the Messiah now, and he took a donkey and rode it in, of course he could do that. But it would be symbolic. It wouldn't be necessary. It's not the actual mode of transportation. And, you know, every tourist can go and say, I'm the Messiah, and ride in on a donkey. But the point is of this sign is that he would be the sign of the son of David. And that's not going to happen now. It's not going to happen unless someone's being symbolic. It did happen when Jesus went in. And what's ironic about it, or really interesting, is that Daniel 9.24 through 9.26, which we discussed two weeks ago, it actually gives the exact day that this would happen. And it goes through the process of detailing this concept of 70 weeks and when the 70 weeks would start, which is 70 times 7, which ends up being um, a number of years exactly from the time that the wall was 
built in Jerusalem by decree. So we know the exact date that that a decree was set. And the time that the wall was built was when the clock started on this 70 weeks. And we find that the 70 weeks until the Messiah, Prince, will enter into Jerusalem um, is that 70 and two weeks uh, 69 and two weeks. So that's already ha- happened. They calculated it, and this comes out to something like 173,888 days from the time the decree went out until the time that the Messiah was supposed to enter Jerusalem. Well, friends, that already happened. That can't happen now. The wall, the decree already went out. It's impossible to fulfill this because the time has passed, and it came to exactly the day Yeshua came in on a donkey. It's well documented. If you're from Israel, you're certainly familiar with the story. All right, so nobody can do that now. The time has passed. It's completely over. Number four, the fourth uh, prophecy, is that the Messiah would specifically be a son of David and have an everlasting kingdom. And so we know from Samuel 7 and others that um, that he prophesied to David that your house and your kingdom will be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever, right? And then in Isaiah 11, 1, we see this promise, and there shall come forth out of the rod of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for a banner of the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. And then especially we see in Jeremiah thirty three fourteen. Uh, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I promised to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause to grow up to David a branch of righteousness. He shall execute judgment and righteousness on the earth, and Israel will be saved. And so we see that this promise that says uh, David shall never lack a man to sit on the house, uh, on the throne of the house of Israel. We shall see that that promise is he must come from the line of David. And as we've spoken before, there is absolutely no way to track the line of David at this time with all the records destroyed. They were meticulously kept up until the time that Jesus and until the 70 AD destruction of the temple, they were meticulously kept up until then. And so it's supposed to be a sign that the Messiah is who he is. God gives specific signs, and it's not going to happen at this point because we can't know. We'll have to take some claimed Messiah's word for it, but it's not certainly not a sign to the people. Jesus, Yeshua, was called the son of David. Everybody knew the lineage of his parents. Um, and then we've got uh, the prophecy, fifth prophecy is that he's going to come before the temple is destroyed. And this goes back to that Daniel 9.26 prophecy. And it says, after 62 weeks, the Messiah shall be cut off, which means he's killed. um, And the people of the prince who shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Right, And so the Messiah is going to come within this time period that we already described and that he will be killed on behalf of the people, it's for the people that he's going to be killed, right? He's a substitutionary sacrifice, and that the temple will be destroyed, and that's happened. And we've not had a temple since then. It's impossible. 
for a Messiah to come into the temple at this point and claim to be the Messiah. So that's gone. It's over. It's been over for 2,000 years. We've got Malachi 3.1 specifies, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come into his temple, even the messenger of your covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, said the Lord of hosts. So if it's supposed to be a sign, it's impossible now. It's been impossible for 2,000 years. And then we've got Prophecy 6, that he will be betrayed and killed horribly by crucifixion. It says in Psalm 22, the, the Messiah is poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. And it says, if you go down to uh, verse 16, that the congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. We also see in Zechariah 12.10, I will pour out in the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and they will look on me whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for one who has mourned for his only firstborn son. And so we talked about that last time. And then it says in Zechariah thirteen six through 7, that those which um, one will say, what are these wounds between your hands? And they will answer, and he will answer, those which I was wounded in the house of my friends. And so we see that the Messiah was wounded for our transgressions, especially that great um, Isaiah 53 prophecy. And we'll need to go into that deeper another time. And then lastly, his name will be Yeshua. It's actually prophesied to be Yeshua. Zechariah 6, 11 through 13 is where we found that his name, the branch, is actually Yeshua. So get that recording from last week because that's really spectacular. And uh, friends, we just have to think about how important it is to know our Messiah, to get the word out, to recognize that the time is short and that no man can come to him unless they trust in him. Please know that the Messiah has already come. He's fulfilled all of these tremendous prophecies for the Jewish people and that we want others to know him. And if you haven't trusted in Jesus yet, please accept his payment for your sin. Know that he's the promised Messiah and that he is promising a great tremendous future united with our King the God of the whole earth. And so please, I ask you to join us next time as we're going to talk about, will there be a pre-tribulation rapture? We'll revisit this idea of who Yeshua is is more. Please go to my Rumble channel and check that out. Thank you. And until next time, God bless you all. And happy new year. Join Wendy Scott every Saturday at 3 p.m. on K-Praise for another episode of Season Watch. Previous episodes can be found through the K-Praise podcast platform, where you can also access Wendy's other platforms and contact links. Please email Wendy with show comments, questions, or suggestions at wscott at mywordsforhim.com or visit her website at mywordsforhim.com for additional resources. Watch other teachings on her Rumble channel. Wendy's Words for Him, her fiction novel, The Lost, A Story of Christmas, can be found on Amazon. Until next week, watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.